In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. As we've been on this, this journey that is Advent, this journey of preparation for the coming, to the celebration of, of Christ's birth, as we've been on this journey, we've heard how the King of Kings, through whom everything is created, for whom everything is created, and who at the end of everything will judge everything, that when this King came, he came to us humbly, and he came to us lowly, and he came to us not asking for riches or a massive offering. He asked if he could borrow our donkey. He asked for our time and our attention and our energy so that he could work through them. And John the Baptist, a few weeks ago, when the uh, ordinary working folks were coming to him and asking, what should we do to get ready for the coming Christ? He directed them to the noble and dignified fulfillment of their own vocation in the world. Tax collectors, do your job. Soldiers, do your job. Everyone, love one another. And that will be preparation, proper preparation. And we've also heard that Jesus came not just to redeem and to work through our our outside life, our external life, our life in our families and communities, but also he came to renew even our inner life, the life of our thoughts, the life of our feelings, that he wants to be born in our hearts and our minds and renew us from within as well. And now today, see, we have to, do, we have to go one more place before we go to Christmas, one more stop before the manger. And we have to go there because with all of this, so far, we are about one step away from this all becoming a holiday cliche. Hmm? Because the classic formula for a holiday movie, I won't even say a Christmas movie necessarily, a holiday movie, the classic formula is something like this. Stop spending so much time at work. Stop worrying so much about money and career. Come home hang out with your family on Christmas, sing a couple songs so everybody feels good when the movie's over. I mean, that's the ending of It's a Wonderful Life. Hmm? That's also the story of classic from my generation, The Santa Claus. Also, that's the plot of Elf, okay? Which is about the least... Christmas, Christmas movie there is. I mean, it's funny. We all love seeing Will Ferrell eat a bunch of spaghetti with syrup on it. I mean, it's... But that's the same. That's the, that's the cliche. That's... And as you see that, when you see that, that formula, you realize this is, this is a pattern that somebody's making up. This is an experience that people want you to have around the holidays so that you feel a little more happy, so you let go of a little bit more of your money, that's, that's what this is. So before we come to the manger, we have to kind of purge a little of that out of our head and out of our hearts, and we have, to, we have to go one more place. We have to go with John the Baptist into prison. To re and we have to go there because in the midst of all of this experience, we have to, this 
curated experience that we're supposed to be having, we need to ask ourselves the question that John is asking. And that is, is this actually for real? Is this for real? Is this actually something important happening here? Or is this just a, is this just a lot of froth and foam? John sends his disciples. He sends his disciples to ask Jesus. He says, he says, are you the one who is to come? Are you it? Or should we be looking for somebody else? And why he actually, what he's up to when he asked that question, I mean, it's not easy to tell. Is he doubting? Is he actually doubting that the Jesus that he baptized, it might have been a mistake? Because there had been a lot of fake messiahs who came along. Or maybe, maybe he's doing this for the sake of his disciples. Maybe he personally knows that it's Jesus, but he's sending his disciples to kind of, you know, push them out of the nest a little bit and say, okay, you have to go to him now because he's the one. Or maybe there's all kinds of Messiah business in the air in John the Baptist's time, and he wants to make sure that maybe there's not more than one, that Jesus is supposed to come and then somebody else is. Whatever it is, he's seeking some clarity. He's seeking to understand what's really going on here. And it's important that he understands what's really going on because he is in prison. This is how he will spend the end of his Advent season, in prison, on death row. He's doing this for us, to underline for us, that at the coming Christmas that we celebrate, when it comes to the question of what this is actually about, look to the Word of God, look to the fulfillment of prophecy, look to what Jesus says and teaches us. That's the truth. That's what this is actually about. And that's what, that's what Jesus actually is emphasizing here. He, the conversation that he has with John the Baptist's disciples, then that, that sort of continues into a conversation with the rest of the people who are gathered around. And at the end, he says to them, <clears throat> he says, so what should I compare this generation to? All you nice people who are standing here listening to Jesus talk. What should I compare you to? He said, you're like a bunch of kids. You're like a bunch of kids who are sitting in the marketplace and you're singing one of your kids' songs together. And the kids' song goes, we played a flute for you, but you did not dance. We sang you a dirge and you did not mourn. We played you a happy song and you did not sing along. We played you a sad song and you didn't get sad. And then he explains, he says, because John the Baptist, John the Baptist came not eating or drinking. He came fasting and he came denying himself and he came, he came preaching repentance, saying the Savior is coming, so all of the things that you know you shouldn't be doing, you should stop doing them, and all the things that you know you should be doing, you should start doing them. Now is the time to start doing them, because he is coming, so now is the time to get ready, and when he comes, it's going to be dramatic. Think, things are going to get cut down and raised up, and the whole world's going to get mixed up. And people said, this guy, what is it? He says, people said he has a demon. He's crazy. We don't want to hear this. We're not going to sing along to that sad song. But then Jesus comes and he's eating and drinking a lot. 
and he's eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners, and he's playing you a happy song that says your sins are forgiven. Rejoice, because salvation is here. And we didn't like that song either. Jesus said, see this, what Jesus is saying is he's saying this is what the word of God has to say to you. It is a message, repent and believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Turn away from darkness, turn towards the light. Turn away from, your, from our own internal struggles and look towards what Jesus has brought. Repentance and forgiveness, that's the message. That's what Lutherans call the law and the gospel. And Jesus is saying, there's nothing else that's coming after this. This is it. John the Baptist and Jesus in their life and ministry represent the reality, what is to come. And so he sends this message back with John the Baptist's disciples. And he says, you go tell John, you go tell John in prison what you are seeing and hearing out here. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Go tell him that what he is experiencing in prison, the shadows and the darkness and the loneliness and the despair and the doubt, all of those things, he is to turn away from those things and to look at them and regard them as being not real. That's not what's real. That is temporary. That light momentary affliction that he is going through is preparing for him the fulfillment of all of his hopes and the promise of heaven and resurrection for him. You go tell him there in the darkness about the light that you see out here. And you go and you tell him to ignore the darkness and to turn away from the shadows and to curse the demons in my name who are surrounding him and to give up his sorrow and to give up his fear and instead cling to me because I'm what's real. The voices in your head that are telling you this is not real, they are not real. Those are demons. Those are defeated. Cling to me. Pay attention to me. Go tell John what you see and what you hear and preach good news to him. And then Jesus says, this last little thing that he says at the end of the reading, he says, wisdom is justified in her children, in her deeds. Wisdom is justified by her deeds. That means in all of this, there's all these people who are wondering who, who is John the Baptist really? Who is Jesus really? Is he the Christ? Is this for real? Is something important going on? Or is this just another, is this just another holiday movie to get us all excited for a little bit and then is going to? Jesus says, wisdom is justified in her deeds. That is, you will know wisdom. You will, wisdom sees me for who I am. Wisdom receives Jesus as the savior of the world. And that wisdom is recognized by how it acts when Jesus is here. What that means is wisdom, true wisdom, is understanding not just that Jesus is the reason for the season, but Jesus is the reason, the baby in the manger. Because I mean, come on, it's still, we put, we dress it up, 
and we put lights around it and we put Christmas ornaments around it, but it's still just a baby in a manger. That's still all that appears to our eyes. But the holy wisdom of the Holy Spirit sees in this ordinary looking baby in a regular manger, which I mean, a baby in a manger is already a strange thing, tended to by two normal parents, wisdom sees in that. That's what not just the season is all about, but that's why the universe was created. So that God could unite himself with us. This is not just the reason for the story of Christmas. This is the center of the story of your life. God so loved the world, you, that he sent his only begotten son. Our vocation, our, the pla our place in life, our time and our attention and our energy, our emotions, our thoughts, our inner life, all of these things for us in the wisdom that the Holy Spirit has given to us, we know that all of these things are downstream from this manger, downstream from the cross and the empty tomb. That is, all that is, all that is good and holy in our lives flows to us from this manger and this cross. And don't forget either that the reality of this manger becomes a reality for us at the altar. That the baby who is born in the manger is the same one that we receive in Holy Communion. That's why, and I don't want to make a big point out of this, that's why it's still called Christ Mass. And we don't call it that anymore, and that's fine. Forget it. Don't call it that. But the war on Christmas that we hear so much about, that's not really about, that doesn't start when we replace Merry Christmas with Happy Holidays. Because holiday just means holy day. So, I mean, whatever you want to say in the grocery store, you're still saying something that's very Catholic, right? You're still saying Merry Christ Mass or Happy Holy Day. That's just the way it goes. You can't escape it. And the war on, and the point of that is the war on Christmas that we all sometimes get a little hear about, it starts not when we start changing what's on our coffee cups or what our Christmas greeting is. It actually starts when we, dis, when we, when we traditional Lutheran Christians, forget, as we sometimes do, that, that the connection between Jesus coming in the manger and Jesus coming on the altar. That's what Christmas is. Jesus coming to us. The manger happened 2,000 years ago, but he keeps that reality alive for us so that we can experience it in giving us the same body and blood that was in the manger, the same body and blood that was on the cross, the same body and blood that stood in the room with the disciples after he was raised from the dead, that also comes to us. That's why it's Christmas. That's something we also cannot forget. That's the reason for the season. The classic formula for the holiday movie is stop spending so much time at work, 
Come home and see your family. Sing some fun songs so everybody feels good. Eat a plate of spaghetti with syrup on it. But that doesn't play well in prison. And Jesus is also for those who are in prison. Jesus and Christmas is also for those who are in the hospital and who are under the shadow of darkness and who remember at each Christmas not what they have to gain under the Christmas tree, but everything they've lost since last Christmas. Christ is also for them too. And in being for them, he's for all of us because he came to heal and he came to forgive and he came to restore what had been broken. In Jesus' name, amen.